Well, hey out there to all you aspiring social entrepreneurs, and welcome to the Voices of Social Change. This is the podcast for you if you are a startup social entrepreneur looking for tools to grow your venture. Well, hey again, and welcome to the Voices of Social Change podcast. I'm your host, Josh Shookman. I podcast this thing proudly from the Kansas City Startup Village, an organic startup community right here in my hometown of Kansas City, Missouri. Would like to welcome you to the Voices of Social Change podcast. This is for you if you are an aspiring social entrepreneur. It's here that we host interviews with the world's leading social entrepreneurs so that you can learn from the best. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into part one of this interview. If you're tuning in for the first time, I break it up into parts. So this is part one and tune in later on this week if you want to catch part two. And welcome to another episode of the Voices of Social Change podcast. I'm your host, Josh. And as always, I'm coming at you from the Kansas City Startup Village. Have a great guest here today that has a lot of different projects that he'll be able to talk to us about. I've been looking really forward to this interview ever since I chatted with Jared Angaza here a few weeks ago when he just rocked our world in terms of a lot of his philosophies around social justice and social change. And uh, this guy is one of his uh, great friends. I'm here today with Zane Wildman who's the founder and director of CTC International. And what we're going to be focused on today is, is a nonprofit with a lot of social ventures that they've, they've focused on and a really entrepreneurial bent to a lot of the things that they're doing. And so I'm looking forward to picking Zane's brain on this. So first of all, Zane, thank you so much for being here with us today and taking the time. Absolutely, Josh. My pleasure, man. Looking forward to it. Good stuff. Likewise. Well, well, Change Nation, let me just share with you a little bit about CTC International and then I'll let Zane take it away. Um, their mission is empowering people to do amazing things. And they create self-sustaining, a self-sustaining model for development by using entrepreneurial programs to grow their nonprofit initiatives and empower communities to create the change. Another thing I want to read to you that because I think it's really cool and I've said it before, I think all of us should have a great manifesto and CTC's is pretty awesome. So here it is. <laughs> the CTC International Manifesto. We are misfits for good, living out of abundance over scarcity, choosing love over fear, and collaboration over competition. We are igniting the human spirit with the freedom to dream. Our collective dreams serve as an empowered voice that is changing the world. Ubuntu. I am because we are. So Zane, with that, I think <laughs> that shares a lot about your heart for this. And I'm going to let you take it away. Talk to us about CPC International and your path to it. Well, no, man. I mean, it's cool just hearing, uh, I mean, I haven't heard the manifesto read out loud. So that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely been a, a wild journey to get here. I've been doing CTC now for going on 15 years and uh, bought, you know, bought a one-way ticket to Kenya uh, right off of you, fellow Jayhawk with you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, Randomly found out we're, we're alums of the same college here just before yeah, the call. So Exactly, man. Yeah, and so, you know, for me, those, you know, those the manifesto are these aspirations of, of what we've become, and it's really, it's cool to be able to be on the show and to hear you read that out because, as you know, social enterprise can be an absolute um, a grind. And uh, a lot of times, you know, you're faced with these huge obstacles um, when you believe in something and you're passionate about something. And, and for CTC, um, you know, I met Jeremiah, who's our Kenya director, and he's been my 
great friend for 15 years now. And, uh, you know, we met right when I was right out of college and bought a one-way ticket to Kenya <clears throat> after finishing up at the University of Kansas and got a degree in biology and floundering uh, pre-med student and didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but, you know, felt like I wanted to help people, but didn't really quite know if medicine was the path for me. Um, and so, you know, exploring my faith, exploring, um, you know, who, who I wanted to be in the world, um, looking at, you know, my older brother and his buddies and what they were doing post-college and, and just kind of floundering around in a job and trying to figure life out as well. And I was kind of like, you know, if I'm going to be figuring life out, I might as well go somewhere um, and have a have a journey and have an adventure and and be in a space where I can I can listen um, and and really explore what does it mean, what does it feel like to help people, and what do what do I believe in? Um, and the other question I was asking myself is who would you know? And I remember this this randomly popped in my head uh, right out of college, and it was you know, who would I be if you dropped me in the middle of nowhere? Um, would I continue to be, you know, am I who I am because of my family's expectations, um, of society's expectations of my, you know, my social group, my friends' expectations. And so who would I be? And so those, those three questions and my passion, um, for life led me to, to Africa. And that's where I met Jeremiah and, um, you know, I was working in a hospital and uh, working at a local school there and met Jeremiah when we went down to deliver some um, food and some medical care to an orphanage that Jeremiah was running. He was running an orphanage for 140 kids and um, just really shocked by his spirit and his charisma and positivity and um, went down you know, about a month later to just meet with him just solo. And, you know, that friendship is, you know, we decided, I was just like, man, I want to do something here. It seems like you need a lot of help. And he was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, you know, I, I know looking back on it, I mean, he's been hilarious. We, when we talk about this, I, there's just something about him that I really was drawn to and, you know, thought we could do something together. And he was like, you're just another white. I mean, when we talk now, he's like, I just thought you were another white guy who wanted to help. I didn't think you'd actually stick around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and, you know, so what we decided to do is we would have lunch every Thursday and we had lunch every Thursday for, for a year. And the conversations that we had on those Thursdays, um, would always come back around to two words um, opportunity and empower. And it was basically, you know, pick the topic, but it was basically conversations around, you know, these people um, in his community and uh, Kenya at large, and I think even developing nations at large, um, have similar aspirations and desires, you know, for their lives um, as, as the Western world to be independent, to live lives of integrity, to be providers for their families. Um, they just lack the opportunities to be empowered to do that. Um, whereas, you know, in the Western world, there are you know, you know, way more opportunities and just a lot more exposure. And so, you know, you look, unpack 15 years of hurdles and, and friendship and Jeremiah living in the States for a long time, my living in Kenya for a long time and, um, you know, hundreds of people coming in and out of the organization and essentially where we have evolved to as friends and as an organization, 
um, is really we're providing opportunities that empower the local community, you know, and boil that down really simply. We're empowering people to do amazing things. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story and, and so many nuggets in there. And as, as we get further along, I definitely want to unpack a lot of the different projects that you got involved in and that you are involved in with CTC International, because I think they're really incredible. I, I want to land on, on two things, though, uh, first that, that you mentioned <laughs> that I'm just a I'm curious to hear more about. But B, it, it's a theme that I hear developing uh, across the board with a lot of people I've interviewed is that at some level, successful social entrepreneurs have that one-way ticket moment. Uh, Even if it wasn't a physical one-way ticket, it was something along those lines where they, you know, I hate to almost say it this way, but in a sense, they burned their bridges. They didn't really burn their bridges, but they didn't leave a bridge to cross, so to speak. So talk to to us about that moment where you decided, I'm going to get a one-way ticket. What made you so sure that a one-way ticket was the way to go? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, definitely wasn't a a surety kind of thing. It was more of, um, you know, I, it was a deep desire and a longing um, for more, and and like to get into the depth of what life is all about. And um, I don't know. I can't really describe what that. You know, I think a lot of us. You know, if I had to say it, I think the well, the summer before, uh, so my junior year going into my senior year. Um, or no, it was the summer before that. I lived in 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 Europe and uh, was studying French. And um, you know, I had taken a journal for the first time and was reading uh, the Bible. And I was like, at that point, I didn't quite know what I believed in. And I still can't. I think I took the Bible with me to to France more to protect me because I'd never been outside of the United States before. Like (laughs) some book is going to be able to protect me. And and I was just really kind of a fledgling college student. But I remember gaining so much that summer uh, just because of what I was writing and what I was reading. And I was coming into contact with just a lot of nuggets of truth in those nuggets of truth were radiating with a lot of what was going on in my spirit. And I didn't know what to do with any of that. It definitely, you know, wasn't, um, a dutiful, you know, religious person growing up. Um, but it just got me, I had like lights turned on in my soul. And then I went back to, you know, university of Kansas and I was in a fraternity there and, um, all these like lights that have been turned on, I compromised everything. Um, I like basically all these things that I gained as a person internally, I compromised bit by bit through the rest of my time in college. And it was like going, look, this thought of graduating from college and entering into this new space, I'm the one that's determining what that's going to be. And do I want to just go bounce around in some different jobs and try to figure that out? Or do I want to plunge into life and that happened to be Africa and just like take this massive, huge breath and let everything just be shattered and see where I land. And that was it. <laughs> and so and so it was mainly out of fear because I wanted those. I didn't I hope those lights weren't shut out forever, you know, because I knew I compromised my values. I knew I did. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and it was it wasn't like some big thing. It was a bunch of little things. Um, and, and so I wanted to get those back. I hoped that I could discover that. And I wanted to tap back into what that was. Was that God, you know, was that, uh, you know, the Christian tradition, was it Buddhism? You know, what was that? And I was going to go explore it. 
And so that led me to that point. And then another big critical moment while I was in, I mean, this is right when, you know, the internet's kind of taken off and emails are, you know, you're starting to do email and I had just gotten a Hotmail account a few months before I left for Africa. And, you know, there were no blogs, there's no social media at this point. But I remember about a month in, and I was writing to my brother, my older brother, Rance. And I was writing an email to him of this crazy day, the day that I went and I actually met Jeremiah. And I was writing to him about this experience that I had and like, you know, just pouring my heart and my soul out just about what life means and being face to face with this type of poverty and all these questions that it stirred up into my mind, into my heart and, and about the world and do we have it all backwards and all this stuff. And I was about to send it. And then I thought, shit, I don't want to... I don't want to send this just to my brother and then have to be private about it. <clears throat> you know, say I turn around, I leave to go back to the States in two more months. I don't want to have to pretend I didn't see this with anybody. I don't want to have to pretend that this didn't happen. And so then I copied all the contacts that were in my email uh, address book and I sent it to everybody. And I ended up doing that you know, dozens of times throughout my year of living in Kenya. And that became the changing moment because that's when I realized I'm putting my values, I'm putting my belief system, I'm putting, you know, this kind of renegade way of living my life. I'm going to put that out front so that I don't have to explain it to anybody. Like I can just like, they know what they're getting themselves into. If they want to talk to me, this is what I'm about. And that made, it became, that became my like burning the bridge moment. Because then I wasn't going to, I couldn't, con at that point, everyone knew what I was about. I couldn't really compromise it at that point. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. I, I, that's, that's a beautiful story. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that, Zane, because I think there are so many nuggets for, for us to hear because so many of us in, in the voices of, of social change audience were, were right on that. I think that verge of, of our aha moments or, or, or we know deep down that we're going to have that, that one way ticket moment. And I love that imagery there of, of the one way ticket. And I think mm -hmm. you've, you've hit on a few things. And, and the last thing that I think that you mentioned that's, that's really, really important is this idea of of taking a stand and letting people know what you stand for. And, yeah. you know, that, that email that you sent, it was, was, I mean, just almost made the hair stand up on my, on my neck. I was, that was <laughs> such a powerful story because it, it, it does, it does a lot of, of, of things. I mean, first of all, you do let people know where you stand, but it also, in a, in a way, I think when you speak something and make it public, it makes it that much more a part of who you are. And it, it in a sense, invites people to hold you to account for it. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm highlighting that because I think for, for you, you you tuning in right now hear Zane on that be open about your journey and, and and don't hold it back even if you don't know exactly where it's going to lead even if you don't really know what the next step is be open about where you're at on the journey and I think you'll find that that accountability number one but number two just communicating and showing people what you stand for will be a, a big step in in the right direction and and the other thing that I think you mentioned here that's that's critical for a lot of us to hear, Zane, is that you were at a point, and it's <laughs> it's funny to me. I, I had a very similar point at the exact same university <laughs> about <laughs> a, a year and a half ago as I was finishing up my first year, and and you know felt like it kind of was that death by a thousand cuts, where it was little by little. I was just I was moving away from the path I knew deep down in my heart I was destined for, and you know being able to realize that and acknowledge that, and then take that one way ticket 
step, I think is, is huge. But another thing that you mentioned there that's important to realize is that you, you saw that as a moment that, or I, th- I think that there is something to be said for when, when you're at that stage of life, when you're, you're finishing a moment, like whether it's finishing college, whether it's, you know, one job is coming to a close, that is a unique moment in time where you can, you know, take these leaps and, and try to take these steps and know that you're at a point where for the most part, you know, the, the, the worst that could, could possibly happen is you'll realize you, <laughs> you took the wrong step and you can readjust. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, knowing that you're at that moment, you know, I, I, I always hesitate when I see a, a lot of my students at, at college, you know, graduating and at that point where they could take those leaps and, and they're in a much better place in a lot of ways to take those leaps than a lot of other people. And they kind of find themselves in those, like you said, you know, just kind of those, those jobs that don't line up with their meaning and, and, you know, they're never going to be, I think at a better point in their life to, to take mm-hmm. that step. So anyway, just a couple things that, that were highlighted there, but I, I love that, that piece of your journey. And I, I think this, this one way ticket moment is something I'm going to have to unpack in a blog post or something. Cause it's something <laughs> I keep hearing about. So yeah, great, man. great no, stuff. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see it like an email, an email goes out to, to change nation here. What, what is your one way ticket moment or something like I'll yeah. get some answers. Yeah. That'll yeah. be a cool story. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Anyway though, I do want to, that's, that's great stuff on, on your journey. And I, I love how openly you, you shared that. So I do want to move in now and chat about it here in the second part, chat about uh, a little more specifically about CTC International and some of your projects. And I know you have quite a few, so we'll, we'll unpack a few of those along the way. The yep. first thing that I want to talk to you about, Zane, is something we talk about here all, all the time on, on Voices of Social Change is this idea of social entrepreneurship. Now, I, I know CTC is is a nonprofit, but you, you mentioned with your vision that you're focused on entrepreneurial programs. So Talk to us about how that distinguishes you from a traditional nonprofit or maybe some other NGOs you see operating in Kenya. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, I mean, I think the main way is that you're, you know, from a factual point of view is you generate revenue, right? So, I mean, most most nonprofits are, you know, strictly donation-based. Um, and so, CTC, we're a hybrid model where we, um, you know, last year we brought in 60% of our budget was earned revenue and 40% of it was donations. Um, and then if you unpack, you know, pack that a little bit deeper, you know, what does that look like from a traditional nonprofit, you know, where your revenue is coming, you know, from creating businesses with the people that you serve? And there is a drastic difference Um from the programs that we've had in the past where we are giving services um, or, or bringing aid uh, to a situation um, versus providing employment um, with, with the job that the people have actually helped create. So the businesses that we have were, help, you know, were co-created by people here in the West with the people in Kenya. And that's why, we, I mean, that's ultimately why we do what we do. I mean, that's the epitome of empowerment. And, and these people are no longer, you know, as far as a culture that you're creating, you're creating a culture of interdependence mm-hmm. um, where we recognize that we are in need um, as much as the people in Kenya are in need and that our empowerment is directly tied to the empowerment of the people in Kenya. And you see that manifesting itself every day in, in these opportunities that we create in social business. Um, whereas before, you know, you're, you're still helping, you know, but you're help, but you're creating a culture of dependency, you know, where these people, uh, you know, are 
waiting on you. They're living their lives, but they're they're hopeful that someone's going to come to their rescue and you come in and you provide certain services that you know, like our like our healthcare programs. There's really, I mean, we're not at a place where I mean, maybe eventually we'll be able to get those to where there is a revenue stream um, to the service we provide there. But right now, it's you know pretty much through our partnerships with University of Kansas Hospital and Dell Children's Hospital, and those services are you know pretty much given at no cost. And so, you know, it's it's provide it's more seen as aid um, versus <clears throat> versus development. So there's a big distinction between that. Um, I, I like to look at it in medical terms. It's like looking at someone who goes to what the ER provides versus what OT or PT provides. You know, when you go to the ER, you really aren't participating much as a patient. You're in desperate need. Um, and that's what aid looks like. And then, you know, development is more like uh, going to the occupational therapist or physical therapist. I mean, you're as you're as much of a participant in your healing and your progression as is the physical therapist or the occupational therapist who's working with you. And um, it's an interdependent relationship. And that's really what I think we're doing with social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, that is one of the best <laughs> conceptualizations of that I've, I've ever heard. And I think that's Thanks, really man. important for us to hear. So it sounds like, and, and correct me if, if I'm wrong on this, because this was going to be my next question. It, you know, the, you, so you've, you've gone with, with more of a, a hybrid approach, and it sounds like for the uh, projects that, that can generate some kind of entrepreneurial activity can create revenue, then that kind of falls under the for-profit version of the hybrid structure. But then there are services that you provide that there's just not really that kind of a model for. And that's where the hybrid, and just talking from an organizational standpoint, that's where the hybrid structure, kind of the nonprofit piece coming into there is beneficial. Was I understanding that right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and where we're heading, we're actually going to create a for-profit arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the midst of that right now. And uh, the model that we'll be setting up is you'll have CTC as the nonprofit that's incubating these businesses um, and, and these ventures. But then, you know, uh, you know, the ones that have the potential to scale into a business will then birth out of CTC and into the parent for-profit company. Um, and so like our fashion brand, Lifeline, our coffee brand, Cafe Ubuntu would be, you know, number one and number two that will launch out of CTC and into the parent company. And then that hybrid structure will still stand in place because that parent company, the for-profit, will donate a certain percentage of its annual revenue um, back into CTC so that CTC can continue to, you know, bring in new ventures and, and incubate them along. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, no, that's, that's that's really helpful because this is this hybrid approach. I think is is a really really effective model and can be a great fit for a lot of cause based movements. Um, but it's it's something I've I've recently seen a lot in the states. But I, I think there are a lot more opportunities for it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I really appreciate you un- unpacking that because I think a lot of, of listeners will will really latch onto that and it could be a great option. So so good stuff. Yeah. So then let's talk about the the projects that CTC International is involved in. You've mentioned a few from from the coffee to your fashion line mm-hmm. my question here is i mean you, you have a large number of pro- projects so how did you go about over the course of time developing you know each different project and and go ahead and share some examples uh, along the way i mean you mentioned your fashion line the coffee kind of share with yeah. us a little bit more about that but how did you decide I mean, to make those happen yes you know, so all of them are very i mean there's nothing that we've done where we're like 
let's do that. And then we do it. It's, it's really a conversation with the people in the community um, is met with a, an opportunity um, that exists maybe in Nairobi or an opportunity that exists in the U.S. or, or Canada um, or the U.K. And we, we bring those together. I mean, I think if I had to say, you know, CTC is what we are because of the amazing staff and board and, and, and partners that we have around us. I think the, you know, what I'm good at, I mean, and my team is much better than I am at so many things that we do. The thing that I think I'm good at is connecting the dots. Um, and so all of these ventures have really been just like connecting these dots and then letting them grow organically. So a, a concrete example of that is one that was a, an opportunity, I say it's an opportunity that was created out of a necessity. Um, we had a special needs school um, that we started back in 2005. And, you know, that's a that's its own podcast. I could go in on a long story of how the heck that got started. But, um, you know, we had this special needs school and it was the only one not just in the town of, that we work in, which is 60,000 people. It was the only one in, in this area of the Rift Valley. And the recession hit, you know, 2006, 2007. And it left us in a very difficult position. At this point, we didn't have any revenue, earned revenue. Everything that we were doing at CTC up to 2007 was donation-based. And so um, I, we were going to have to close down the school. And it was, you know, people weren't donating as much uh, because of the recession. And, you know, the special needs school, it runs completely off of donations. And, and we don't have any, no one's paying school fees. So I had to go talk to the mothers of these kids and, and tell them, you know, this is what we're thinking we're going to have to do. And, and they were like, please don't, you know, you can't close this. You can't close the school. I mean, we've seen so much change happening with our kids, so much improvement happening. Um, you know, maybe there's some way we can help supplement, you know, what it costs to run the school. And I was like, the only way we can do that is through a job. And so long story short, we started talking to the nine moms, the original moms of our fashion brand, Lifeline Fashion, and they said they wanted to learn how to sew. And so I thought, well, heck, man, you know, maybe we can, you know, limp along um, long enough to where we can teach these you know, moms how to sew and then maybe create some sort of market for it, like with conferences or something like that. And so we partnered with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Denise Diaz, who was a chairman of the board for a nonprofit called American Sewing Guild. And they sent three teams three years in a row and of seamstresses and taught our moms how to sew. And so, you know, that was in 2007. So flash forward to present day, um, you know, this is a you know, massive uh, company, uh, millions of dollars in sales. Um, and we've gone from nine moms to, uh, you know, over 400, uh, women employed and partnerships with, you know, Whole Foods Market, Allegro Coffee, uh, American Eagle Outfitters, Zazzle, um, are some of our, our greatest partnerships where we have products on sale, um, with all those companies. And, and so that's a, a very concrete example of just, you know, you listen, you run into obstacles, you keep saying yes, um, you see where you can network and connect the dots where the opportunities are meeting the need and, and you step in there. Um, even though I knew nothing about fashion, I found, I found people uh, like Chrissy Lamb, uh, who used to be with American Eagle, who knows a lot more about fashion than I do, and she helps us grow. Um, 
and, you know, the coffee brand, very similar. You know, we, we, we bought 11 acres of land uh, back in 2000, around 2007. And, uh, you know, we knew we wanted to do something to capture all the tourist activity that it, that's pouring through our town every day and uh, didn't know quite, you know, how to do that. Of course, coffee, um, internet, you know, use, you know, computers, a Western toilet. I mean, these are simple, basic things that the average tourist will stop and, and, and want on the way to go on safari. And, um, and so we had started our partnership with Whole Foods um, and their coffee company, Allegro Coffee, and with our Lifeline products. And we were telling them about this vision and that, you know, we had a desire someday to, you know, make a, you know, build a coffee shop and like a cafe. And, and I remember talking, her name's Tara Cross and she works with Allegro. And she's like, Zane, you know, that's what we do every day is coffee. And I'm like, oh shit, that's right. <laughs> and so, and uh, so then we started a conversation with um, Allegro Coffee and Whole Foods uh, Foundation, Whole Planet Foundation. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, we've got up to five teams uh, in two years of Whole Planet uh, Foundation. You know, these are um, Whole Foods volunteer uh, program, Whole Foods market volunteer program. And um, they sent teams over to actually help physically help us build this cafe. And then Allegro sent staff to train our baristas um, up in customer service and uh, the training on, you know, you know, how to uh, run a coffee shop. And then thanks to people like, you know, Jared, um, who was working at Dorman's and uh, they sent a truck out and helped us calibrate our coffee, you know, our, our espresso machine. And it's all these different people, right? Which is why I'm so passionate about, and I know Jared is too, about Ubuntu. You know, it's just really, I think, it's so important as a social entrepreneur and you're getting involved in social enterprise to keep it's that balance of like knowing that you're going to constantly have oh shit moments like <laughs> oh my god like how am I going to pay my bills this month yep. you can't lose sight of looking up you've always got to be looking up because that's your job I mean especially as the one who's spearheading the the venture you know you've got to always be looking up to mentors, you know, to help inspire you by partnerships and, and not looking at partnerships out of desperation, but like, you know, I learned a lot of this through John Mackey's book, Conscious Capitalism, about looking, always looking for that, those win-win opportunities, um, you know, because like the fashion piece, that was a win for American Sewing Guild. Like they, I was a keynote speaker for, for their conference. It was me and like 2,000 middle-aged women, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in Atlanta. And, but it was a win for them. Like they got to use something that they do very much recreationally. They got to go teach these women to do this out of desperation. I mean, this was a need, not just for, you know, a hobby, but this is a life skill that has radically changed their lives. Right. And then with Cafe Ubuntu Coffee, same. It was a huge win for us. It's a win for the tourists. It was a win for the Whole Planet Foundation and, and the team members at Whole Foods to come and participate in that project. And it was a win for Allegro. You know, and now we have a coffee that's in every Whole Foods market. You know, it's called Cafe Ubuntu. And there's a give back component to every bag of coffee that's sold. You know, so I think that's really important for social entrepreneurs to, to realize, like, if you really believe in what you're doing and you're passionate about it, there are other people and you have fun doing it. You know, I think that's an important part, too. Like, don't lose that ability to have fun playing with your passion. Um, because if you are, then other people who lean in are going to have fun playing with it too. 
Um, and that's where, that's where creativity exists. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, there's, <laughs> there's another blog post or podcast in and of itself <laughs> is have fun playing with your passion. <laughs> I, I love that. I love the message there. Yeah. And yeah, so many great nuggets with, with what you're talking about there. And as, as you were talking, I, I popped on to your website and just ran through the pictures again of, of Cafe Ubuntu and the pictures of the, the Whole Foods volunteers come down, coming down there and building that. And, and so Change Nation, if you'd like to look at that too, I, I, think you should it's it's really amazing uh, take a look at those pictures and watch that story unfold in front of you uh, we'll put a link to ctc international on in the show notes and then also if you i'll, I'll probably i'll go ahead and just put a link to the projects tab where you can li- link up with all of the different projects that ctc international is involved with and cafe Ubuntu being one of them and that's where you can click into those pictures in a video but i would i would strongly recommend you take a look at that because it's, it's some really incredible work and and i, I want to land on one thing that, that you mentioned here zane because i think this is is so important is this idea of you as someone who connects the dots and that is a huge message for for us in this audience because at, at the end of the day, you know, I know we have a, a dream inside us. We have a passion for, for something that we want to do. But the ability to be able to bring together stakeholders, which, which I think you, you all have done amazingly well, the ability to bring together the communities that are going to be affected by this, get their input and bring together the people that will really make things happen in the right ways. That ability alone, I think, is is what one of the major things that makes for a successful social entrepreneur is being able to connect the right dots in the right ways. And yep. and you've you've really walked us through how that happened. And it, you know, it sounds like just the, the the key component there was was an openness and and a willingness to listen and to to also then, like you said, play play with that passion and be willing to kind of try it out and then work with it as it unfolded. And, and so, one kind of clarification question I'd have on that: I, I know a lot of us out here, you know, we we definitely I mean, creating a partnership or something like that with Whole Foods could could make all the difference in the world for us. It sounds like that was a very natural natural thing for you. So how would you say you balance, you know, the, the, the natural partnerships that come about versus being strategic about who you partner with? Um, mm, it's a good question. I think, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't as natural as it sounds. Um, you know, it was a lot of persistence creating that partnership. And then, um, you know, with that persistence came opportunity and I and Whole Foods is taught. I mean, I would say if I if I had to say our greatest mentors in organization, it's Whole Foods Market. Mm-hmm. Um, their values, how they haven't compromised their values, they've stood firm in who they are. They've kept their right. You know, I mean, they have people who have been working for, with them for well over twenty years. Um, you know, John Mackey is still in the leadership position and has the same people around him that he had when, you know, they were hippies in Austin, Texas with a handful of stores. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, there's, I've learned so, there's so many values that permeate out of the organization, out of the company as a result of that. Um, and so that's taught me a lot about, and reading that and then, or living that and then reading uh, Tim Ferriss's, you know, four hour work week um, and just how to scale um, intelligently, um, and also knowing you're a byproduct of the five people you spend the most time with. And that's just a fact. And so those things combined, I'm like, okay, how to scale intelligently. It's better for us to have five big partners, um, than 50 smaller partners, right? Mm-hmm. Cause those five big partners are going to have the same needs, but you're only tending to five different cultures, five different companies, probably five key point people, 
versus 50 different cultures, 50 different point people, 50 different demands. And so that was a big thing that I that I learned. And then I was also you know, transferring, okay, five people I spend the most time with, well, chances are whoever see that probably translates to with a company. You know, as a company who our, our company spends the most time on the phone with or emailing with is going to be a byproduct of who we become. And so that was key because I, you know, Chrissy Lamb, who I mentioned before, and her, she's, you know, a designer and her company is the supply change. And, um, you know, she basically links social enterprises with fashion opportunities, retail opportunities. And um, she had worked with us with, with Whole Foods and we were talking, we were on a trip in Kenya together and she's like, you know, I, I could introduce you to Lucky Brand and, you know, Gap and, and all these people. And I'm like, Chrissy, I don't want a whole bunch of partners. Mm-hmm. I said, I want some key people who share similar values to ours. I was like, it doesn't do us any good to be, you know, um, in, in a relationship with people who are going to make demands of us from a place that's not coming from the same motivation as us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, the partnership that we created out of that was with American Eagle and I had the privilege of, of sitting down with their chairman. And he's been with the company for, you know, I mean, since I, at least since its inception. And, um, you know, his name's, you know, Roger. And he was just like a fantastic guy who believes passionately about the values of, of American Eagle. And they actually go onto their website and find they put their values, you know, right in front and center. And so that was an example of, you know, something more strategic through my conversations with Chrissy and her network and then bringing those right people to us. Got it. Yeah. 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 I love I love that perspective of, you know, finding those those partnerships that really do align with your mission and and thinking in terms of the partnerships that can really, you know, they are those win win and they, they move both organizations forward in some big ways. Yeah. I, I love that stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, it's and, and I'll just say, you know, what that ha- what that does for you, too, when you share these values um, with your core partners, the amount of opportunity it becomes way big like i've learned so much from you know like one of our other partners is zazzle mm-hmm. um and jeff beaver is you know one of the founders of zazzle and you know very much shares a lot of our belief system and our values um we have messed up so many times you know from delivering to those guys on orders and things getting mixed up because we're learning you know we're learning to scale and when they share those values, they, if they haven't lost their startup mentality either. And so there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of mentoring that goes into that you need as a social entrepreneur. And you need when you're you know, launching these social enterprises that you know very little about. You, you, you need those people who share their val- those values with you in order to grow. Yeah. You're not all of a sudden going to step in and like know about fashion or know about coffee. You know, one minute you're you got a special needs school. The next minute you're fat. You're you're selling pro- fashion products to American Eagle, right? Like that learning curve is steep. Mm-hmm. So you need people who can help mentor you through. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's gold gold advice right there. And and I think too a piece that that, that you're mentioning here that I know has helped in in, in my case as well b- building social change nation is definitely a a level of humility and and coming at people with the attitude of you know you, you believe that there's something strong here but you you are very open to being honest about what you don't know and where you will yeah. need help. And I have found that that has served me time and time again, you know, where where I'm I, I know what I'm good at but I know what my limitations are. I mean at, at social yeah. change nation I I 
absolutely believe in everything I'm doing, but there were a lot of tools. I mean, we're online. When I came at this, I had no idea how to do a podcast, no idea how to create a website, no idea how to do social media, all of these things. So I was very open about the fact with a lot of, you know, my early partners that I didn't know that, but that, you know, we were with their help and they, they knew those things, you know, we were, we were growing together, but I, I just find that attitude is, is really helpful. And you, you find, I think a lot more closed doors if you come at things trying to pretend like, you know, right. um, you know, so honest, it goes a long yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good stuff. So last question then in this section, so you have these, these projects and a lot of them, I mean, we've talked about these partnerships and, and creating these, these channels for, for sales and shipments and those kinds of things. So, and then, you know, revenue, revenue generating activities, but you, you have the, the deep social mission at CTC international as well. So what would you say, you know, coming into the market and coming into whole foods with a lot of the things that you're doing, what are the unique advantages that you have as a social enterprise, uh, in a traditional space like that? What advantage do we have over like a traditional nonprofit uh, or a traditional, a traditional for-profit more specifically? Oh, a traditional for-profit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, I think we're just, we're so rooted in why and our why. Um, I don't think that's exclusive to nonprofits, but I definitely think nonprofits, you know, we tip, typically nonprofits bleed their whys. Right. Um, and, and, and so whereas for profits, a lot of times there's so many you know, compromises I think that people make and the bottom line is money um, for a for profit. The bottom line for a nonprofit is mission. Um, so I would say we have that clarity every day we step in. You know, I think for that hybrid model, it becomes, OK, are you going to compromise your mission for the money? Yeah, and that's where you, you know, that's that dance that you got to live into because, um, you, you know, you've built this following um, as a successful nonprofit through your mission, not because you're generating money. Um, but then you realize in order to sustain that mission, you know, making money is a good thing um, because it frees the pressure off of your staff to go have to raise a bunch of money and it frees the pressure off of your donors too. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes the, the win I think. And the advantage is you, you can dance, right. You have that freedom to, to, to pull from different buckets of opportunity um, versus like your, you know, all your eggs are in one basket. And, um, and so you're, you know, you're grounded in mission, but then you have the flexibility of where you draw your funds from. Um, or you earn them from. And so I'd say that's the advantage we have on both sides of the coin, you know, the nonprofit and the for-profit side. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'll have a whole month of blog post titles just from this one interview. So <laughs> I'll give you the credit, but I'm going to, I'm going to write a post now on uh, you, you gotta, you gotta bleed your why, or do you yeah. bleed your why or uh, something dude, I've like that. Trademar- I've already trademarked them all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll we'll talk about some kind of partnership that works then or something. But yeah, no, <laughs> no I love them. I, I love the imagery that's there, and yeah, you, you've clearly rocked it in this space for a long time, and have learned a lot along the way, and just sharing all kinds of, of value for us here. So so can't thank you enough for that. Well, Change Nation, we'll be back in just a few seconds here. I'm just going to play a quick bit for you, and then I'll be right back for the rapid fire round with Zane of CTC International. Stay tuned. <laughs> 